Okay, this is another episode of 10 Questions. I'm Thinker, and on the other end of the line this time, I've got Marcus Carey. And Marcus, man, we were just talking about it. We may be recording this on in February of 2020, but this is going to be a 2021 podcast. That's fantastic. Uh, hopefully, um, I try to hopefully make this a timeless and, and stuff that you can use uh, in the future. So I got to place myself in a future mindset. Um, uh, it's, it, and I'll, I'll t- tell you one of the, uh, it, it was uh, Ray Redacted that originally said, hey, you know, you need to, you need to get uh, Marcus on. And uh, part of the reason uh, why, and I, I haven't gone back to listen to this. I don't remember the specifics of the conversation offhand, um, but we were uh, discussing the Trump of Hackers book a little bit, and as well as uh, as uh, whenever the uh, Trump of Hackers summit was done, I remember thinking whenever it was done and it was scheduled for a Thursday, I was like, "Damn it! I I probably could make it to Austin if it wasn't during the middle of the week." But I was so happy to see that there was a stream because. I ended up playing that stream all day and I don't know if I got too much work done that day, but man, I enjoyed what I heard anyway. Oh man, that, that, that gets me hyped up, man. I appreciate that. And, and just thinking about like, you know, I, I think that, you know, and with, with you putting out this content on the podcast, what you'll notice in the future is that it's going to be touching all kinds of people and you never know. So uh, there's always somebody listening out there. There's always somebody watching, and um, yeah, I'm just surprised as anybody that that you know it's kind of a thing. So yeah, I'm really happy about it. Yeah, yeah. So um, all right, with that, let's go ahead and uh, jump into the official questions here. Uh, the the uh, first question I've got is: I know that you are a uh, veteran of the U.S. Navy. Um, when did that? It was when did it actually first start coming about that you were talking to the Navy about going in anyway? Yeah, it's kind of a funny story. So uh, when I was growing up, I was actually an avid basketball player. I used to play basketball probably three, four hours a day at least. Sometimes all day. Sometimes, you know, even during school, you know, I would be at, at practice after school. I played basketball all the time. I was actually pretty good. Uh, I'm kind of short and kind of slow, so I didn't get a lot of offers from D1. But I was actually a pretty good basketball player. I, I led Central Texas in three-point percentage. I, I, I shoot it. People, uh, some of my friends that, that knew me back then say I, I was like Steph Curry before Steph. But I, but I was only 5'9", so Steph 6'3". So, um, so anyway, uh, I, I, anyway, so I wanted to go play basketball in college, but the only opportunity I had was to um, – was to go to a, a it was like a NAIA school. Uh, it was called Paul Quinn up in Dallas, actually. Now I was I actually had an opportunity, but it was only only tuition. They couldn't give me room and board. They couldn't do do, do any you know couldn't do any of that. So I mean I was I'm the poorest person I knew growing up, and so I couldn't afford that. So I couldn't go to I couldn't go to Paul Quinn, and so I, I ended up uh, talking to a neighbor recruiter. I graduated from Waco High in Waco, Texas, and um, and a, a Navy recruiter was just walking across campus one day, and I was like, hey, man, um, you know, I want to hear about the GI Bill because I, I wanted to go to college. And so, I mean, I didn't have I didn't have the money 
to go to college. So I heard that the GI Bill gave you money. So that's that's how I ended up joining the Navy, just for the college tuition. And you know, there's a lot of people that do that, and there's there is nothing wrong with doing that at all. That's that that is a a very good way to do that. Um, so uh, whenever you uh, went into the Navy, were you at, were you talking to them about doing anything specific? Did they promise you anything specific, or uh, was it just I'm gonna go in and and uh, see what would be the best thing to be doing? Yeah. So my whole life, uh, pretty much. Uh, it's kind of a, this whole me and being in computers, the Genesis story of that is me watching war games and being obsessed with that movie and watching it over and over again and wanting to do it with computers and stuff. Uh, so I was like, Hey, I want, I'm gonna work with computers. And, uh, the Navy was like, all right, cool. You, you know, you scored pretty good on your ASVAB test. You can, you can, this, this, this career field right here does computer work and the rest is history. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I, was, I always uh, curious about uh, other people's experience with that. Uh, I know uh, I talked to plenty of military recruiters in high school. Um, to be honest, I don't think I would have ever gotten through uh, basic training at all. I just, yeah, I, 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 I have demand issues sometimes. But uh, I do know, if, uh, I do know. Whenever I was uh, talking to uh, the Navy guys, um, they were they were telling me that with the scores I had gotten, that I could go into the nuclear engineering program. And I'm like, great. And then we started talking about uh, what basic would look like. And I told them, yeah, I can't swim worth a damn. And they said, oh, no worries. If you can't swim, we'll put you in swimming lessons during the during the course of basic, and then we'll make you swim at the end. Yep. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, okay, well, whenever they say sink or swim, um, that's going to be what I would run into, and I still would probably sink. So, yeah, I I, I found a way to talk myself out of every single branch. Uh, if I had actually gone in, in the long run, I probably would have gone Air Force because at the time it was only six weeks for basic and it was, I don't know if they've changed this or not, but it was, it's uh, 20 years that you could retire with full benefits. And my thought was, Hey, go in at 18, come out at 38, have full retirement with benefits, have good knowledge, good training and uh, still go make myself a good paycheck after I get out. So. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good plan. The Air Force, definitely, if, if I, I talk to people all the time, people do ask me still uh, whether, you know, what, what should their kids do as far as going to the military or what should they do? And sometimes I talk to, you know, young people. I tell them Air Force should be, Air Force is number one, Navy is number two, uh, and then it's a toss up between Army and Marine Corps. Uh, and I'm just saying that, like, and the reason why is because, uh, you know, the army, like, the army and, and, and um, the army and, and and Marine Corps, they have a lot of the stuff that you do that's not that technical, and so they yeah. need people on the front line. So, but the Air Force and the Navy, most of the jobs in both of those are are quite technical. There's a lot of technical jobs. You could be, a, you know, you can be an aircraft mechanic or or you know some crazy jobs that pay you a lot of money on the outside you can actually learn in the navy and get qualified and just get out and make a lot of money uh it's a lot of different jobs that are like that in the navy 
Mm -hmm. So yeah, but the Air Force is best for quality of lifestyle. And so uh, if you listen to this podcast and, and your kids are thinking about going to military, 100%, number one choice should be Air Force and then B plan should be Navy and look at the career options. Like what can you do when you get in there? And then they can get out. Uh, you know, I have a master's degree uh, in network security and uh, I'm from, I'm the poorest person I know growing up. Uh, and, and the Navy helped me get to get, get to do a master's degree, you know, tons of certifications, you know? Yeah. So I recommend if you, if you want to do it, some people have, you know, some people have a lot of reasons why they want to join the military, but, uh, Hey, it, you know, I, it, it worked out great for me. Yeah. And, and goodness knows the big thing I'm waiting for now is to find out what happens uh, if and when the Space Force finally has their own separate basic training. Man, Space Force is a laughing stock. Uh, and and I, I'll be, yeah, I don't understand that. But yeah, okay. <laughs> Space Force, go Space Force. There you go, there you go. <clears throat> um, okay, so question number two. Um, so after you left the military, uh, you know, you've uh, said plenty uh, that uh, you went and spent time in the uh, NSA. Um, was that a was that a, one of those things that you were uh, looking for whenever you left the Navy? Or was that one of those things that they came knocking and found you? So what's cool about what I did when I was in the military is as soon as I got in, uh, as soon as I graduated boot camp, I was working for NSA the whole time, like the whole eight eight years. I was in eight and a half years, like over eight years. I was in the Navy uh, as pretty much like a, a part of the NSA's apparatus, the intelligence community. So, um, and then when I got out, a lot of people, and definitely in the DC area, they get out and they go to work for contractors. So the contract I went to work for was CSC, Computer Science Corporation, back in the day, and. And, uh, and then I got to do uh, DOD contracting. So I supported a number of agencies, including NSA. Okay, okay. Um, so, so okay, you had, you had the time you spent in the military where you talked about the fact you were over in Scotland, I believe it was. Yes, right. Uh, so uh, besides, besides the fact that, um, that, that uh, was I think you said you met your wife over in Scotland? That's uh, right. But besides that, that that obviously, uh, you know, if I said, what's the most favorite thing about your time in Scotland? You'd, well, whether that's the truth or not, you'd still have to say it anyway to <laughs> to, to, to be a good guy, right? No, you can ask me that. You can ask me. No, so, but, but so let, let's let's take let's take that out of the equation. And and, and outside of beating your wife while you were there, um, <laughs> what, what what was the best thing about your time in Scotland? <laughs> I mean, the best time, I mean, the, the cool thing was like being 18 years old and wanting to work with computers and, and some on some war games type stuff. Uh, basically, I was thrown into that at 18 years old. All the computers in the world, like Cisco routers, Novell Network, when, like all the different technology that was anything that was hot. When I was 18 years old, I was working with it. So it was crazy. You know, you know, multi-million dollar systems. You know, technical control circuits you got to keep up and down, multiplexers, like telecommunication heaven. Like, so 
at being 18, 19 years old and having your hands on all that stuff, I mean, that started me right there on being very technical and being very experienced. So I would say that that's the, that's the most awesome thing about being doing what I did in the military. It was amazing. Okay. Uh, so then uh, what was it that ended up uh, bringing you back to Texas? So, um, I mean, I mean, you know, people that, <laughs> that are Texans, right? <laughs> uh, people, you know, of course, I think Texas is the best thing since sliced bread. Um, uh, maybe sliced, maybe Texas is older than sliced bread. I don't know. <laughs> but no, just, you know, being a Texan, uh, I'm a typical Texan that thinks uh, Texas is better than everything else. And so some people say they got to Texas as fast as they could. Well, I got back to Texas as fast as I could. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I love I love the state, uh, even though it's kind of it's kind of weird. Uh, it's kind of weird politically sometimes, uh, to be honest with you. I mean, but I, I live in Austin, and so Austin's kind of like California in in Texas. So yeah. Well, it, it, I think uh, the last time that there was any kind of talk of Texas secession, that if I remember correctly, there it, to to counter the the. Um, petition or petitions that were out there about Texas seceding from the union. There was one that it was done by people from Austin saying, if Texas secedes, allow us to stay in the union. <laughs> well, yeah, it's <coughs> man, politics is crazy. So I'm going to stay away from politics. I don't know what this podcast is going to be like when it's released in, you know, next year, the election will be already happened and all that stuff. So that's things I have to keep in mind. Yeah, but so um, yeah, it's a crazy political uh, landscape. Way, way, way more crazy than when I was. I was thinking in Scotland, uh, I got to actually like, and the military is very conservative. So it was at that point in my life that I actually got almost like in the military kind of indoctrinated me to be a conservative. I would say, um, and so and so I've been I've been quite the conservative kind of you know you know thinking. Uh, and I was brainwashed by the military for sure. Uh, but yeah, so this whole, you know, politics stuff is crazy now, man. It's nothing that, that I thought it was when I was 18 years old. Hindsight's okay. 2020, it's crazy. All right. Um, well, let's, let's dip away from geopolitical. Um, so yeah, it's, it's well known that you are, uh, in the Austin area, which, Depending on who you ask, uh, some would say it would probably be the heart of the Texas barbecue scene. Um, <laughs> but but okay, so you like Texas? You're a Texan. You you appreciate most anything Texan. What about the barbecue? Are are you a fan? Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I I'm you know born and raised on barbecue for sure, um, and. Yeah, Austin is definitely amazing uh, for the barbecue scene. <clears throat> also, the hacking scene is big here too in Austin. <clears throat> There's a lot of smart people, uh, a lot of a lot of really talented uh, information security professionals here. Legendary, you know, a lot of people that started companies and all kind of crazy stuff. So I'm, I'm in, you know, I think that you know Austin might be the, you know, it might be the security capital of of, uh, of Texas for sure. I think too. I know some people from Dallas that that would say that those are fighting words. Yeah, but I, the, the one person—I mean, I think that Austin has definitely influenced the 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 DFW hacking scene. So 
Yeah, for, for sure. The, for sure. sure. <laughs> for yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, everything everything that I've heard, yeah, it, uh, I would say say to say that Austin was the uh, was the source of it all. That's for sure. Yeah, it's, it's um, actually pretty cool. I mean, it's it's cool that that people share information like that, and and you know, there's you know, you know, the Dallas hackers, the San Antonio hackers, there's Houston hackers. There, and we're all we're all tight. So this is it's a great thing about this state is that. Um, and no matter what city you are, you always you always be home. I feel quite comfortable around anybody in the DFW area, San Antonio, Houston. Uh, it's nothing but love. So we it's it's a great it's a great place. I mean, you know, you could be to any of those places within three hours, uh, and it's nothing but love. It's it's it's, it's actually pretty cool how that how it's all worked out. Yeah, and I, I'm. <laughs> um, no, I've, I've I've never officially let them publicly where I am, except to say two things. One, yeah, I'll admit to Texas. Two, I'll admit to fly over country. But uh, it, what that amounts to is uh, is uh, I'm pretty far away from most things still. Uh, I think it was uh, um, it was Amanda Berlin I was talking to. In fact, it was it's on. Uh, uh, the episode with her that just uh, dropped a week, a week ago from whenever we're recording this. Um, but she was talking about uh, being at NOLACON and uh, something about, uh, you know, maybe I could come to NOLACON. And I'm like, you don't realize how long it would take me to get to New Orleans, do you? And I, I even went ahead and pulled up a map and I ran the driving directions just to confirm that, yeah, we were talking about 12 hours worth of driving to get from where I am in Texas to New Orleans. Yeah, man. So, so yeah, yeah it, if, if for anybody that has not been to Texas or only been just in Dallas, just in Houston, just in Austin, Texas really is that big. It is by far that big. Yeah, um, certainly. Well, huh. and, and Marcus Goodness, you're one of those people that are, that's in a good position to understand that. You know, if you if you, uh, you know, spent time in the D.C. area after after you got out and everything, um, you know, you you'll know that you can make it to numerous places and numerous states, even uh, from D.C. in four hours, give or take, depending on how traffic is at the moment. Um, well, I mean, yeah. So even saying that getting out of Texas, uh, getting out of Texas is definitely even for me would be maybe a four or five hour trek. So yeah, yeah. yeah so I mean, I'm still deep. You're, you're right. And so it being in the DMV area, <coughs> I had Maryland right. Right. I lived in Maryland. Uh, PA was right. You know, right around top of us. I used to go to Gettysburg, Hershey. Loved it up there. Uh, DC area, Nova. I've been all around there. So yeah, it is quite it's quite interesting that in Texas is like so 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 separated, and it's good though. Yeah, well, it's it, I think uh, I ten from El Paso to uh, to uh, Texarkana or wherever it is it goes in Louisiana is um, well over seven hundred miles stretch of road right there alone. And, and I drove uh, it drove it several times. I I I've actually driven from East Coast to West Coast. I drove from Maryland to, to to California, California to Maryland. I drove to Las Vegas. I've, I've done some real road, road, road warrior stuff. 
And w w one of the cool things about this whole traveling thing is I've actually, I've been around the whole world, the whole, whole circumference of the world uh, because uh, of my military time. So I've been, I've been everywhere uh, and I've been all the way circular across the world. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Next, next question. And there's, there's only one answer that I would disqualify on this question. Just one answer I would disqualify and ask for something, another answer entirely. And uh, I think you'll understand why whenever I ask the question. Um, but what, what would be the, the quintessential Marcus Carey breakfast food? Wow. And I'll just tell, I'll just yeah. tell you right offhand, you're in Austin, I get it, everybody does the <coughs> breakfast taco thing. Um, breakfast, breakfast tacos are disqualified as being an answer. So I, I would tell you, uh, it's a, my, you know, being, you know, my wife, uh, a full English breakfast uh, is, is something that I, that I enjoy. And so, uh, and you know, it, <coughs> it's a, they have their own, you know, the bacon's different, the sausage is different. Um, they have like tomatoes, mm -hmm. uh, they have beans. They have, it's just, it's just a, a whole get up that, that's pretty cool to have an authentic uh, English breakfast. So a full English breakfast would be the quintessential uh, breakfast. Okay, okay, and I'd say uh, I'm guessing that's uh, just that's something you picked up from your time in the UK, anyway. Yeah, that, that's right. But if you go to the UK, ask for a full English breakfast. They probably would do it, do it in California too. But yeah, it's, it's all that. You know, you know what that 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 makes me think. I, I've I've got to I've got to backtrack a second. So we're talking about food. And the fact that you spent time in Scotland, did anybody ever get you to attempt to eat haggis? Yeah, I've actually had a haggis a couple of times, and it tastes great. So okay. it's one of those it's one of those things where if you kind of think about what it is, that's what that's where the the, the tie up is, right? If you think about many things, you know, how it's made or whatever, you know, you don't want to go in, inside the sausage factory. You don't know what's going on inside there, but when you taste it, it's great. Uh, so, I mean, so it now, like even over there in Scotland, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like something that a chef would make even, you know, you don't get a, a person at home making haggis, right? So you, it's something you would go out and, and do fine dining with and they'd like hook it up. I mean, this is really, really pretty amazing. So, uh, yeah, it's not like something they eat all the time, but I've had haggis at weddings and stuff like that. Okay, it's good. and it, it, it's it good, is, I'll I'll have to believe you on that. I've not actually been in a position where I've been where it's been offered to me. So, uh, but it's but I also uh, I'm a big rugby fan, and eventually I will find myself either in the UK or maybe down in New Zealand or something to go to some good rugby matches. So maybe yeah, one of these I, days I'll be in a position to do so. Yeah, man, I, I still I used to watch a lot of rugby when I Scotland of course is very, very, very popular in, in in Scotland and I used to watch rugby all the time when I was there. Yeah. I got into watching the all blacks and all that and I got into it. Yeah, it, it's I, I I really enjoy the sport. I hate whenever I 
bring up the sport to most anybody in the States because they look at me like I have six heads. <laughs> and, it, and I'm just like, you don't realize how much you actually enjoy it if you watched it because you probably already understand at least one third of the game. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. And plus, when I was in Scotland, uh, there wasn't as much uh, – there wasn't as much international coverage of, of uh, other sports. So when I was in Scotland, you had to watch, you know, the Five Nations, and, and you had to watch all those. You had to watch all those things because that was that's what this. If you want to watch sports, you'd have to watch that. I never got into cricket, uh, but definitely uh, I went to see some professional. Uh, I went to, to Scottish Premier League games, uh, so I, I really got into the to the European sports. And, and it's funny you should mention cricket. I I always thought cricket was so boring for so long. Um, I've actually started to learn about the game a little bit more so, and I'm, I'm starting to find a little bit of interest in it. So it's... It's one, of, it's one of those things, like, again, baseball, right, and football. It's like you know stuff about the sport because, you know, some of our sports have derived from it. And even, like, uh, netball is another game over there that basketball mm-hmm. is kind of like... So, yeah, but in America, I think that, like, it's funny, from a security sense, I think if it wasn't built there or made, made there, I think Americans have that mentality. You ever, It wasn't built here, it wasn't made here, it's not, you know, it's not American, we don't, we don't like it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that, that's the same thing with a lot of security stuff, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, well, one, one more ancillary Scottish-related question. Is there a picture out there of you in a kilt? There is. Uh, I don't know if it's on the internet, but I definitely have a picture of me in a kilt. Okay, a brave, man. Kilt brave, yeah. brave, brave man. I, 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 I don't know too many too many uh, men that would do that. I and I'll I'll even include myself in that. I I I don't know that I could even bring myself to wear a kilt, even though there's yeah, I mean there's. There's no issue with it. I I just don't know if I do it or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what's what's crazy is like uh, about about the kilt and all that stuff is. Uh, I mean, you know, you know, the Scottish culture and definitely a lot of these these European cultures are very macho. Like I've been to Iceland; they love their macho culture. Scotland is another one of those where they have a very macho culture, and uh, <clears throat> and so. And like, and over there, it's funny because like, every place you go, you know, you learn like, wow, there's some tough son of a guns over here. <laughs> it's like, is, yes. I would, I would want to see these guys in the dark alley somewhere. <laughs> so it's just, it's just like sometimes people think they have a monopoly on toughness, and they really don't. It's tough oh, people everywhere. Well, yeah. it's, it's just the, the one thing in particular that comes to mind. Um, is uh you know I know I know that there's a whole uh, the whole uh, Highland Games uh, concept of yeah. all the you know of all the type of stuff that you, you would have seen done in Scotland back back in the day and the the one particular event from the Highland Games that I'm thinking about is whenever they take the big gigantic uh, the, the big gigantic log uh, and, and mm-hmm. they do and do that end to end toss with it. I think it's the the caber toss I think is what it's called. Something like um, that, yeah. But I mean, we're, we're talking something that's like, oh, it's, I mean, those, they got to be at least 10 or 12 feet uh, tall. And 
uh, you know, at least, uh, you know, at, at least a good couple of feet across and circumference. So, I mean, those have got to be heavy, heavy, heavy. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, uh, yeah, so log, that, 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 that's, it's some crazy stuff, man. Um, yeah, it's called, it's called Cabertos. Uh, it's, it says it's 12.5 stones. Uh, so, so 20, roughly 20 pounds. 20, 20 so. feet. No, a stone. No, stones, 12, 12 pounds, 12.5 um, stone. That's, that's, that's probably about a hundred, hundred pounds. What is, oh, 175 pounds, bro. There we go. Okay. <laughs> 20 foot tall is 20 foot tall and, and 175 pounds. That's like, <laughs> that's, 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 pretty, that's pretty gangster. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah, I don't know why I keep on thinking stones twenty something. I that, that is tw it's twelve point something pounds. Yeah, I, okay. It's like throwing. It's like throwing a man. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know that 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 whole uh, saying. I don't trust you as far as I can throw you. Well, you meet you, you meet somebody in Scotland. They could probably throw you. Is the thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's um. crazy. But yeah, so man, it's it's definitely Scotland's awesome. Okay. Um, well, moving on to officially question number seven, um, the, uh, the the uh, Tribe of Hackers book. Um, I I know you've uh, I know you put it out there the story behind how that came together originally. But uh, uh, as much as I like reading good stories, I like hearing good stories even better. So if you wouldn't mind sharing that story again, yeah, certainly. Um, and um, so basically, I mean. Like I, t I tell people, like one of the one of the coolest things about going to conferences is that uh, you get to meet and talk to people, and like you can meet security researchers and all kind of different things, and like definitely uh, I've I've been around the block a, a little bit and I know a lot of people, and and as I'm talking to some of my friends, some of my friends are kind of like popular, or, you know, even use the word famous in the security field. And then I see people that are, are, are don't want to meet them and talk to them, but they're, they're not, they don't, they, they don't, don't have the confidence to do it or whatnot. And so what, what I found is like, wow, I wish, I wish that people, you know, could come up and, and learn uh, for them and, and, and be able to, and be able to, you know, be able to interact with people like that. And so basically what I started, what I, what I did is like, man, it'd be cool. Uh, I, re I read this book called, um, called Tribe of Mentors. And then this book, it was like all kind of different Hollywood people that were, uh, that were into it, uh, th that were in that book. And the guy that wrote the book, um, he actually, they were all his friends, right? And so I said, man, it would be dope if, you know, we had like a cybersecurity version of that. And because I've got all these friends that are, you know, pretty well known and, and people would love to hear, hear from them. It'd be great if we, if I could ask them questions in the same format as the Tribe of Mentors book. And, 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 and see how that turns out. Uh, and what, what ended up happening is uh, it wasn't just, you know, famous security people. It was people that I know that are very smart. And, and uh, in, some, in some cases, I was referred to people once we started working on a project. Ended up getting 70-some people to respond in the first book. And um, that book uh, has led to a lot of stuff. Uh, it led to having an event, as you said. Uh, we have a third book that's going to be coming out now, and by the time I hear this podcast, there are going to be at least four books out. Um, there's going to be a documentary 
related to that and it's going to be really dope uh well produced uh and that's something a lot of people don't know but hopefully by the time they they uh they heard this podcast there will be a documentary uh out about this um and so go ahead you, i was just saying that, that, that's uh, awesome yeah, and you know, ben, you know, we had an event. We're gonna have another uh, a tribal hacker segment. Um, we we're just still working out the logistics on that. So by the time you hear this, there'll probably be another one coming out. So just uh, we the domain is tribalhackers.com. Stay uh, stay tuned to that. Um, but yeah, so what it ended up being not just a book. It ended up being a movement uh, of, of people. I mean, I I would say like. A nice movement. <laughs> people being nice to people and helping each other out. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm not like it's not. It's a whole tribe of hackers out there trying to help everybody else out. I mean, and it's like family. It's it's the craziest thing, man. It's like a, it's like a real tribe, and people are helping each other out. And and you've inter interviewed a lot of people that have been in the books, and and you know you talk to them, you've seen it. It's a movement. It's the craziest mm -hmm. thing, and so. Uh, and so I, I just really just give all the credit to all the contributors and the people that are out there helping people out because it's a real it's a real movement of people trying to help people out. So I love it. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, it, the the whole thing with the documentary that I, I really look forward to that. I've uh, I've always uh, enjoyed uh, good movies, good TV shows. You know, good any anything that tells a good story. So I yeah that. That ought to be good whenever that's done. Um, yeah, it's gonna be dope, man. It's gonna blow yeah. people's mind. Okay, so question number eight. Um, let's say, and and, it's, and and I'll just go ahead and preface it, preface this by saying. Anybody listening to this, I'm not asking him to pick favorites here. I'm just asking him to use his imagination. But let's say you had to, you were creating basically the Terminator version of a perfect hacker. <laughs> um, what, just, just what, what four people would you want to draw from and why? Wow, that's a crazy question, bro. <laughs> so, um, so you know, I would take I would take four people that have have given back and and continue to uh, help people out. Uh, people that have a combination of being technical and also helping other people out. So, I would say uh, the ultimate. Uh, I would say you know. You know, HD Moore, I would say, HD uh, Moore has definitely built, helped build up the Austin community. He's built up a, a, t a community throughout the world with, with Metasploit. So HD Moore would be be one of them. Um, uh, Ian Coldwater, who's, who's going to be on another podcast that you, you've interviewed her. Uh, I think that, that in the security space, she's opened up a lot of people up to... Uh, a lot of the uh, container security related stuff, and what what uh, what they have been help, able to do uh, overall, as far as like helping other people get into the space, uh, I applaud. Uh, Ian has helped people, uh, 
And so that's th those two basically. There's you know I guess HD with the exploitation. Um, the the next person uh, that uh, that I would I would say is um, you know somebody that, that always that I'm I'm friends with and has has uh, has been has been awesome o over time. Even you know. People aren't awesome to him is my, my buddy Jason Street for social engineering uh, because he that too <laughs> he has an uncanny way of looking at things and so and again he also helps so many people out uh, again again so that that's that that's that theme so HD understands uh, so basically I got I got Ian that's a cloud designer beast I got HD Moore is an exploitation beast. I got Jason as my my social engineer piece for its Terminator go, and um, who I like I I need somebody that who who man I I I got somebody in my head. Um, I would need somebody that's really good at like like networking and, and protocols and all that stuff. Um. You know who I'm gonna take? I'm gonna take my my boy Carlos Perez. Uh, Carlos Perez is, is people might know him as Dark Operator, but when it just comes to how systems work and how networks are built and all that stuff, uh, that dude takes the cake. And, and you know he's been a contributor to Metasploit project, and he's contributed to so many other projects over the years. Uh, so Carlos, as far as like knowing how networks are built. Uh, because a lot of people, uh, you know, they don't understand how enterprises are built. So I would take Carlos, and I would take Carlos's enterprise mind, because uh, that dude knows so much. <laughs> he knows so much about Windows and how the internals of Windows works, and and uh, PowerShell, and you know, he knows. Of course, he, he's he's pretty popular for Metasploit, but that dude's a beast. So that would be my four, and all okay. those people have great hearts. They teach. They current. They all of all the people I mentioned are currently uh, paying it forward and helping people out and all that stuff. Look, so that's it. Awesome, awesome. Okay. Um, question number nine. Uh, in high school, who's your favorite band? Man, <clears throat> in high school, who's my favorite band? Uh, I guess I'm a hip hop. I'm a hip hop fan. So. High school, man. If I said a band, it would probably be a group, right? Well, so it, probably, and, and whenever I say band, I band, musical act, uh, solo act, it, it, whoever qualifies as a recording artist, I guess you could say. Man, who's my favorite artist? I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Marvin Gaye. I'm gonna say, I'm saying Marvin Gaye. Uh, I still listen to this stuff, but uh, definitely it is a beast. So Marvin Gaye. Marvin Gaye. Mar Marvin Gaye is it is in my playlist and has been for years. I do like his stuff. Um, yeah, and even though like when I was in high school. It was he was still he was he was being considered old school even then, but his music 
uh, I like, I appreciate how timeless his music is. And even like, if you listen to the lyrics, just the, the, the words that he's speaking, it's like totally timeless. Uh, so I, I would say Marvin Gaye. Uh, also like, you know, as far as rap goes, I like Curious One. It's like Public Enemy. Um, you know, you know, more conscious type stuff. Uh, I used to like NWA. They were ratchet, but uh, an Ice Cube probably. Cause, but they were they were all speaking from a, like a social commentary piece, and that, and that's why I like Marvin Gaye because Marvin Gaye put down some real social commentary, mm-hmm. and you know, that's that's my personality. So you know me. So yep, absolutely. All right. Um, well, question number ten. Um, what would you say is both the best and worst advice you have ever received? Uh, the best advice that I, I've ever received. All right. So, I'll, the, so what? What? Is, which orders does it matter? It doesn't matter. Yeah, I would say. Um, I mean, you probably. If, if people follow me or, or see what I do, uh, I guess like like uh, the worst advice I ever got was um, basically when I was in the military, and I'm from the I'm a country son of a gun, and like when I was growing up, you you cannot get more country than me for sure. I was born in my grandmother's house. Uh, when I grew up, propane tank, outhouse, you know, cows across the field, pigs next door. You know, pomegranates, peach trees, the whole everything. I we I'm I'm country is all outdoors, bro. Um, and like even when I talk to people uh, when I'm from where I'm from, uh, people people say I don't sound like I'm from the I'm from like if you heard people that where I'm from, and and it's music to my ears when I hear them talk, but I don't sound like them no more. It's because I've been in, in this nerd world for. For um, and I'm a proud nerd, by the way. So I don't say that as a diss. Um, been in been in nerd world for you know twenty something years, going on almost thirty years in, in 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 this thing. So I don't I don't sound like them. But I could imagine when I when I arrived in Scotland, sounding like I sounded right. It's all outdoors, and and I could imagine because when I listen like cousins, my good friends from my, my hometown, and I'm like, wow, I sound, I'm, I had to sound like that, you know what I'm saying? And uh, I had somebody tell me, um, you need to quit using all that slang and all that stuff, because it was a it was a, a mixture of country and, you know, and, and like Ebonics or whatever people call it, and so one of my supervisors, they said, quit using that slang, you know, you never, you never, I'm like, god dang, so that was the worst advice I ever got, because I think the people conform too much to to what everybody, you know, mm-hmm. what everybody wants to be. And even like what's funny about the whole hacker culture, this is what's funny to me. Like, uh, I know I'm a hacker. And, uh, you know, I, I had a good friend, Johnny Long is my buddy. So Johnny told me, Marcus, you're a hacker, you know, no matter what nobody says, right? So, but but I see in the hacker culture where every these people copy off each other so much. Uh, same, same dress, same way of dressing, same way of hairstyle, same way of whatever, whatever. So I see all like y'all all look just the same, like, and like I'm like wow. So basically, I would say quit conforming to some other's picture of what it's supposed to look like, of what a hacker or a technical person or whatever. Quit worrying about that 
and just be yourself. Like, like, uh, and so that was, that was terrible advice is to try to conform to what other people said. And that's the, why to this day I speak in slang, my Twitter handle, you'll see me. I talk like mad slang, talking like in hip hop terminology and like I'm being authentic and I'm me. But if you want to get, you know, if you want to get down a code or whatever, you know what I'm saying? We can do that too. So, but it doesn't, I don't have to act like somebody else and I can still be myself. And like, I can, you know, I can slang code, you know, as, as good as the next man or woman. And, and, but I don't have to, I don't have to act like them or be like them. And the same reason, like, I don't have to, I don't have to act super black. I don't have to act like a hacker. I don't, I don't have to do anything. I just have to be myself. So that's kind of like the, the that advice was telling me to conform. But now I'm like, I'm like wide open. I'm Marcus Carey. Uh, so the best advice I ever got was um, when I was starting my company. Um, uh, when I when I started my company, like again, I'm from a very poor background. I don't have I don't, I don't have any kind of rich uncles or rich anything. Heck, everybody in my family think I'm rich, right? <laughs> so you know, like long from a long time ago, they thought I had money. So uh, you know, just being in the military, like you, you rich compared to people, right? You know, like when they think, oh, he's in the Navy, right? But it's been this long progression where, oh, he's in tech, he's, you know, whatever, right? <clears throat> so, um, so the, the advice that basically I went to an accelerator, uh, a startup thing, uh, to start my company. And, um, and my, my boy, Michael Wellman, shout out to Michael. Uh, love you, bro. Uh, he started, he's the CEO of this company called Virgil. Uh, security so so i went through it with him and he was actually from arkansas and he went to rice this dude is super smart this dude like worked for all kind of companies like this dude was like he's one of those guys like when I, I, if the story is correctly this dude like wrote the drivers for apple's wi-fi the original Wi. he's like a beast and this is like my mentor right now right he's this is my guy and uh and i was like i don't know how to like ask for an investment because like to me, not coming from any kind of money or whatever, I thought I is I felt like it was kind of begging and like like uh you know because where I'm from, you know you're embarrassed if you had to get some sugar for next door, you know oh I don't want to go borrow you know and so I grew up my life, that's how I grew up when I was young, but I didn't understand like you know investment and money and all this stuff, but he told me so hey Marcus you're not you're not begging, you're giving people an opportunity, like. You you you're bringing value to the table, and that's what they, they those people are investing in. And so you can take that same thing and you can say, "Hey, I'm not begging for a job," and this is like taken from that. So I was asking for investments, right? And sure enough, I was able to raise money and all that stuff, right? But but if in life in general, what people and this is a freaking nugget right here. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for allowing me to share this. Uh, what what's important here is that whatever opportunity that you're going for, you're bringing something to the table. You're not you're not begging. You have quality. You have value. You're bringing that to the table, and that's what that's what's super important. And so shout out to my man Michael Wellman for telling me like what you're bringing to the table and and understanding the value that you bring. And you're not begging. You're not really you, you deserve what you get. So uh, yeah, that was the best advice I ever got. You're not begging. You're bringing value to the table. That's definitely an awesome viewpoint right there. 
All right. Well, we have hit the ten, end of our 10 questions. Uh, um, obviously, uh, you know, we want to plug all things Tribe of Hackers one more time. Uh, do you have uh, have uh, anything else you want to add in before we're done? No. Like I said, uh, tribehackers.com at Tribe at, at Tribe Hackers on Twitter. Follow the domain. Follow me, Marcus J. Carey. Uh, and I'm going to try to keep on, you know, putting out good content and, and helping people out. And so I'd encourage all the listeners, uh, you know, don't 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 think you have to go on some kind of, you know, mission to Africa or mission to South America to be a blessing to somebody. Yeah, we need, I mean, people in all these different countries and different places need help too, and we can do that. But I would encourage you, help the people next to you. Help the people you work with. Help the people at your church. Help the people at whatever your mosque or, you know, whatever whatever it is, like start local. Help your neighbor because that's the only way we're going to make the world a better place. I know this kind of sounds soppy, but I'm telling you right now, that's how we make a big, big change in the world. And if you if you're a cybersecurity professional, uh, most of y'all, I know the money's good, but ultimately, hopefully, you're in it to help people out too. Yep, absolutely. And man, you know, you, you know what, sappy and all that stuff. Uh, to me, that doesn't matter because in my mind, human beings in general, we need more reminders about the simplest things than the more complicated things. I, I know at least that's true for me. You know, the, the simpler the thing, the more I need to hear people say something about it. So, uh, I, think, I think you're right. I think we tend to forget. And I think we try to make life more complicated than it is all the time. Absolutely. Uh, that, that helps anything. Like if we just broke everything simple, I tell people, I'm a, I'm a dumb country boy. I'm dumb as a box of bricks. But, if, but I just break everything down into little bitty steps. <laughs> Little bitty things, and then I end up, you know, building stuff. There you go. All right, Marcus. Well, I appreciate the time that you've spent with me, and uh, and uh, I, I thoroughly believe this this is definitely a uh, evergreen conversation right here. This will still hold so much water whenever this does go ahead and drop. So, uh, and yeah, it, it was good. Thank you much. Hey, I appreciate you. Thanks for your patience and thanks for getting me on the calendar, okay? Of course.